Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Artifice episode 104. I have missed you. I hope you guys have missed me a little bit, too. Not too much, but maybe a little. Um, but it was nice to have a break. And I would say, to be clear, it really wasn't a break because I was working extremely hard on these new projects and also kind of really picking up, you know, wedding gigs again, kind of seriously, which is great. It's nice to have money once again in my life. Um, wow, I've been up to so many things. Um, the record is finished. It's fully mixed. I sent it off to mastering yesterday. Um, I made a whole bunch of new videos that are not out yet. And I think since I, I can't remember exactly, but there's been at least one new video released publicly, if not two. So, um, if you haven't checked them out yet, go on any of the places where you can find me, Instagram, Facebook, my website, YouTube, and look for my two new live videos of new songs from the new record. Um, the new songs are called Split and Breaking Room. And I really like both of them and I think you'll like them too. Um, and those are, those are again, live versions, kind of acoustic live versions. Um, and the studio versions are not acoustic and they are not live and they're pretty cool and coming soon. Um, yeah. When you guys are hearing this, so I'm recording this a few weeks early because um, I'm I'm uh, going on vacation next week. I haven't been on a vacation in like literally genuinely six years. Um, so I'm going to the beach with my husband and his family and I'm really looking forward to it. But um, I can't be, uh, I won't have my podcast set up next week. So I'm, re I'm recording this a bit early. Anyway, all of this to say, um, by the time you're hearing this, there may be some new things available. So stay tuned. I'm really proud of everything. It's, I'm in kind of, I don't know, I feel like at least in this exact moment, I'm in kind of a high um, about it. And I know I've talked on this podcast a whole bunch and will, I'm sure, talk more about the fact that it's highs and lows and highs and lows. Um, and that's just the way it is. And, and right now it feels like a high because I've just been creating so much and I've been finishing a lot of things and getting, you know, a little bit of cool feedback. Um, yep, that's it. That's all the things. So that's what I've been up to on this, this month off and um, yeah, I mean, I took a month off from this podcast to focus on the art things that this podcast is uh, all about. So it feels good to have done that. Um, but I have also been conducting interviews all throughout the month of July and have some good stuff kind of in the bank for this month and next month and kind of upcoming trying to get back ahead again after, um, you know, quarantine has been lifted. So today's guest is a, such a cool person who I met um, just for this podcast. We'd never met before. And I loved this interview with her so, so much. I I left the interview feeling like my brain was kind of firing about new things. And I don't know, maybe like frustrated, but frustrated in like a productive way about some new things. And um yeah. And then I always re-listen to the interviews. Like, so during the interview, I don't take any notes. I just try to be really present. And then I always re-listen and take some notes and think about, you know, what I might want to kind of write about, um, at the end of the month when I do my kind of recap, little thinking deep dive essay. And when I re-listen to this episode, um, 
gosh, I just loved it again. <laughs> like it felt new. Um, even though I had it, the conversation had happened in real life, just, you know, maybe a couple weeks prior. So, um, that's a lot of, a lot of hype and I, I stand by it. <laughs> so I think it's a really great episode. So, um, so this episode is with, is with Jacqueline Wright. Um, and I'm going to read you her bio right now. Jacqueline Wright is a multidisciplinary artist and educator from the Midwest. She received her BA from Southern Illinois University and her MFA from Indiana University. Her work combines traditional analog photographic techniques with contemporary digital methods, performance, and installation. Her work has been exhibited nationally and internationally and published widely. Recent exhibitions of her work include San Francisco Camera Work, Sabine Street Studios in Houston, uh, San Francisco Museum, SFO Museum in San Francisco, and the Utah Museum of Contemporary Art in Salt Lake City. Her work has been included in the collections at the Art Institute of Chicago and the Museum of Contemporary Photography in Chicago. She is currently an assistant professor of photography at the University of Utah in Salt Lake City, and she's just cool. You're going to be your, if you, if you, uh, you know, are continue listening as you are currently listening, you'll leave with, with new stuff to think about. I'm sure of it. So, um, yeah, I guess that's all I have to say. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, I'd love to hear from you as always. Um, yeah, that's it. Please enjoy this interview with Jacqueline Wright. Great art almost feels like magic. It opens our minds to brand new ideas and teaches us to see ourselves and our world more clearly. Of course, behind all great art, there are artists, and I think that's where the real magic happens. As we go beneath the art itself to explore how artists do what they do, we see glimpses of the sorts of creativity and resilience that lead to the art that moves our world. And maybe we can learn to borrow some of that magic for our own thinking. That's the goal here. And now that we're on the same page, let's dive in. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. Well, I like to start with people um, talking about their like kind of what your creative environment was like when you were a child I'm interested in like you know human development um and kind of how we you know build a through line from like the kind of environment we had as a kid to to wherever you are now so um what kind of creative stuff were you up to as a little kid um hmm. I mean as a kid I think I well I grew up in a really musical family actually okay, cool where, where um, did you grow up? Uh, in Peoria, Illinois, but outside of Chicago. Okay. Um, my dad's from Joliet, Illinois. Okay. <clears throat> um, and he grew up in a really musical family. Um, in fact, my his cousin, my second cousin, is Jimmy Chamberlain, who's the drummer of the Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I grew up, you know, surrounded by music and, like, family reunions. Everyone's bringing an instrument. So I feel like, you know, those were sort of things that were really present in my childhood. And then I think in terms of more like visual art, um, I mean, both of my parents were super supportive, but neither of them are artists. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think we did sort of like the typical kids stuff, you know, like you watercolors. Have, you have siblings? I have three. Yeah. Older, younger. Uh, I am the middle female child. Okay. And then I have a brother. So it's... Uh, I have an girl, older sister. Girl, boy. Yeah, and then girl. Oh, okay. Four, four total. Three, four total. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My family has four total too, but I'm the oldest. Yeah. Um, um, so you're. Yeah. So it was kind of like you had, like, you know, in terms of like 
art. It was like um, activities, yeah. like supplies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there activities. wasn't any like serious, um, or you know, in terms of like, I feel like yeah. somebody who grows up with like a parent who's an artist, it's sure. a little bit different. Um, and then was your yeah. was your dad? Did he play an instrument too? Like he, he plays was... multiple. Yeah. Okay. So everyone on my dad's side is plays like everything. Um, so my dad is a drummer as okay. well. Is he, sorry, is he a professional musician? No, he's okay. not. No. Okay. Um, he, I mean, he plays and he still plays in like yeah. bands and things. Awesome. Um, but he's a drummer. He also plays guitar. Okay. Um, and then my grandfather, uh, is a pretty proficient, uh, guitarist as well. And cool. my uncle, my dad's brother played, um, in Vietnam on the USO. Wow, yeah. Um, and he plays guitar, um, so yeah, it was sort of around a lot cool. and, um, uh, all my siblings and I play something. Okay. Um, so I think that was more of like the creative sort of process yeah. in terms of like the actual like skill sets. Did you, did yeah. you start take, did you take lessons? I did. I took piano. Okay. Um, I tried to take <laughs> drum lessons from my dad, which didn't work out yeah, very well. Hard. Cause it's like, you can't take it from your Parent. Totally. You know, he's like trying to teach me like drills and things. And I'm like, yeah. mm, your paradiddles. Let's just get yeah. good at this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we took lessons. My older sister, I think of all of us, probably took the most sort of variety of things, but that's like typical oldest, yeah. oldest, oldest sibling thing. stuff. And my little sister took the least as a, yeah. as a result. Um, but yeah. What about like, you know, just in terms of like, worldviews perspectives like did you feel like I mean I'm, I'm maybe I'm kind of wondering more about like family culture and or just what you remember about like your personal relationship to like um you know like or like early relationship to creativity even in terms of like cons- consuming the world around you or consuming media yeah um I mean, I think in terms of creativity, both of my parents, I mean, the sort of, yeah, culture in my house or whatever was um, very accepting of it. It wasn't ever like, like you hear stories of, I hear a lot of stories at the, you know, because I teach uh, college students about, um, I hate to say unsupportive parents, but parents who are sort of like, why go into the arts? You're not going to make money. parents. Yeah, for sure. I (laughs) think it's a totally fair term. Um, and my parents were never like that. Yeah. I mean, I think they were always sort of like, you can do whatever creative thing you want to do. Yeah. Um, so I think in terms of like feeling like that was, uh, like you know, allowed. sort of direction I yeah. could go and, and feel like I wouldn't always have been to be defending or not always having to defend myself yeah. and things like that. Um, yeah. So that was always really present. Um, but I think, it, you know, when it comes to like actually seeing visual art, like, we weren't like going to the art Institute, um, or things like that, you know? And I think part of of that is just like my parents weren't visual artists. They just didn't think, I mean, even now if I take them to museums, I'm like, yeah, you know, it's just different. So I, yeah, I feel like I didn't quite understand. Yeah. The direction I was fully going in. Um, I mean, how could you like, but yeah, I think, you know, it came from a place where my parents were really supportive of those types of, um, experiences. And like my first photo class, you know, when I was in high school, typical high school student was like, I'm going to take all of the honors classes and like do all of the things. And I'm going to go and get a journalism degree and like whatever. And, um, my mom was just like, maybe you should just take like a chill art class and like, see if you like it. And I did. Um, and so, you know, I don't think I really got into that until I was 
like a junior or senior in yeah. high school, but it was at the result of, you know, somebody suggesting yeah. it, um, to so me. Just like, I don't know if you like retrospect is like fallible, of right. course yeah, yeah. it's actually just kind of like it. I mean, I think it's interesting to talk to artists about like, well, what, what do you like remember about kind of your early relationship to creativity? And I always feel like, you know, it's very unlikely that the things you're doing now are like directly related to what you were thinking about as a child. But even <laughs> yeah. in terms of just like, you know, did you like to read or like, what was your imagination like? Like, do you have, do you have any kind of thoughts about what like you were like as a creative child? Yeah. I mean, I was a weirdo. Like I was a weird how, sort of like how so? kid. Um, <laughs> okay. So for example, I would like, okay, if my mom braided my hair, at night when I would take my braids out, I would like get the braids really big and put on sunglasses and grab yeah, like and a guitar like, and go downstairs and now. pretend yeah. like, you I'm know, so I think I was yeah. always interested in just being sort of like over the top. Um, I, I mean, I don't really remember being like funny as a kid, but I've always been told I was funny. Um, and I don't know that I was like, you know, a comedian. I was just sure. like a funny kid. Just like kind of had a perspective maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I like to play dress up and um, really sort of, I mean, I think there was a time when I was, you know, probably like 10 that I was like, I will be an actress yeah. um, or an actor. Uh, and so I see those things totally. as being present in my work now. Like yeah. I'm really interested in um, performing. I'm interested in constructing uh, constructing things that sort of are based on ideas yeah. um so I see you know I don't know that I've ever really thought about it like that but I do I can see how yeah. those things sort of connect um did you did you like to write I'm just mostly wondering because you were talking about journalism like was it was it always was it gonna be photojournalism from the beginning or I think or so yeah okay. well I don't know I don't really remember how did you get into photography I took like a class in high school. Okay. So, but, okay. So before you took the photography class in high school, um, was creativity like a significant part of like your identity like, before you kind of found that medium? Hmm. I think so. I, it's hard to recall because I, I, I think when I was <laughs> like, you know, 15 or whatever, I, you know, that high school age, I think prior to that, I definitely would have identified as like a pretty creative person, but you know, in hindsight, I can really recognize all of the ways in which like peer pressure and things like yeah. that sort of like beat it out of you a little bit. Cause you, totally. you're so, you so desperately want to fit in. Um, but yeah. I do think like a typical, you know, young woman, I was interested in fashion. I remember talking to like a, you know, little boyfriend on the phone in eighth grade and thinking like, oh, maybe I'll get into like fashion in some way. Like, I don't even think I knew what that meant. Yeah. Um, you just had, what, what, what was it? Did you have just like a, a kind of vision of like wanting something? I, I think, mm, I don't want, I want to say this. I don't want to say this. Um, <laughs> I think from an early age, I recognized in some way that I was never going to have a traditional job. Yeah. Um, I don't know that that that's definitely not how I would have articulated of it course, then. Yeah. But I think from a very early age, I never I remember saying to people like in high school trying to figure out, you know, thinking about college and whatever, yeah. being like, I don't think I want to do this, 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 yeah. this, yeah. Like it all sounds horrible. Yeah. What do you think that um, comes from? You know, I don't 
I don't fully know. I think part of it is maybe like a sense of, and again, I, I don't think I would have said this, but like creative freedom. Yeah. Um, where I just wasn't really, I didn't really want to be put into a sort of category of like what my abilities were. Sure. Um, sure. I think I like to, I, I know I like to try a lot of different things. I mean, that's yeah. why visual art's really great. Cause you can kind of do whatever, yeah, that's <laughs> whatever the, you want. That's like the a main thing that I want to ask you about. Like, as I was looking through your, the marked exhibit and like, I was looking, I, I clicked on the first, like, you know, eight links that you have listed mm. on your website and like looked around and some of the links, like maybe one of them doesn't work anymore. <laughs> oh yeah. Actually yeah. just, I, I'm yeah. updating my website. So like I, I recognize yeah. that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I was, so, cause I wanted to see like the preview of the exhibit and then I was like, damn it, this one won't. But I, I looked at a bunch of things and that was like the main thing I want to, I mean, a main thing that I want to ask you about in a little bit. But yeah, one of, one of the things that I'm, you know, when I think about like, I talk about this on the podcast all the time, but, and I also say this all the time, I've never talked with you before, so I'll yeah. kind of say it again. But, um, you know, one of the things that I'm sort of interested in with this podcast is, like, I think ultimately, I feel like we could use a lot more creativity in, in the world. And I don't even necessarily mean like, just like works of art, but like just creative thinking, like mm -hmm. creative freedom, like um, these kind of maybe more abstract, like, types of just creative, um, capability. Mm -hmm. And I think it's easy for people to think that like art people, you know, and I interview visual artists and musicians and chefs and writers, you know, all kinds of creative people. Um, I think it's easy for people to think that art people are like just different. And I think, yeah, they're not sometimes yeah sometimes like every once in a while I interview someone who will be like yeah we're just a different kind of people but most people will say like something else and that's why I like to talk about like you know how do we look at you know our memories of our childhoods and our teen years and talk about how we as kind of like just regular people like kind of found ourselves in these you know I don't know somewhat irregular adulthoods. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting because I, I totally agree that I think everyone is capable of being an artist. Yeah. I think unfortunately in a lot of ways, uh, it's sort of beaten out of us through capitalism, through yeah. all of these different things where it's like becomes this such a parents put this pressure on people, put this pressure on themselves, but it's like this desire to make money, which is perpetuated, you know, through a capitalist system. Um, mm. and I think as a result, the things that foster creative thinking, um, which actually, you know, would benefit all different types of, of professions. Right. Um, people just think they're not capable of it anymore after yeah. a certain age, but like all young kids are like, pretty creative and they like do weird things and it's like if mm -hmm. we could find a way to better support that I think for myself if I if I really think about it you know I have three siblings we are all wildly different and I think in some ways that pressure that might happen um if you have I mean my parent like I said my parents weren't like that uh in terms of like provide or putting pressure on me to do something else yeah um but I have siblings who are doing all doing all sorts of other things. So I think maybe it just felt like I had the space to do whatever yeah. because somebody else was doing something sure. else, you know? Yeah. I don't know quite how to articulate that, but um, 
mean, I think all of these perspectives are like, they're so valuable. And, and again, like, so this will be like my 105th episode, I think. Wow. So I've, I've been doing this a long time and, or I've been, I mean, I've been doing it two years, but that's, that's, that's like, about a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like once a week for two years. Um, and having these kind of like deep conversations and the thing that I'm like more, um, surprised about than anything is like how much there isn't a correlation. Like everybody's different. And I think like these, the fact of these differences is a testament more than anything Mm -hmm. that like, there isn't a thing. There isn't like an art thing. Yeah. Um, I do sometimes think there's some, maybe something else like curiosity, which might just, you know, like an extra curious person might find themselves in science or art or, you know, and I also think like a, I sort of view art, at least my process is sort of similar. I don't want to equate it to like the sciences, but I think there is a certain level of problem solving. Sure. I feel um, the same way. And like while I am, a lot of people can attest to this, horrible at math, <laughs> I I am interested in problem solving. Yeah. Um, and, you know, actually saying that out loud is interesting because I have family members, particularly my dad, who is like really great at math and I'm really bad at it, but I am now in a, in a profession in a career that is problem solving in a very different sort of way, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, Um, I love it. I think that's an awesome insight, but you know, so I think that's part of it. Um, the other thing I was thinking about, which is, is something that I comes up a lot, you know, in academia is I, I also like state budgets are like totally cutting out arts um, from curriculum in high schools. Yeah. And so if you don't, if you don't ever get to take an art class outside of like middle school or grade school in this like really sort of, uh, you know, it's contextualized different, you know, like you have math, you have science. Yeah. Yeah, And then you're like, Ooh, let's have a fun art day, which is like nice, but it, it, I think art actually can provide so much more. So I have all of these times all of these examples of when I'm teaching a class and I have somebody who comes in, who's not a major and they have like a, they're majoring in something else and they take a few classes and they are like, wow, I had no idea that this is what photography or this is what art could be. And now I'm about to graduate and I'm like bummed that I didn't take a different path. Yeah. But it's really, it, it sort of breaks my heart when they come, when these, these young folks come to this realization at the end of their, yeah. you know, undergraduate career, which is not to say that they still can't do it, but there is something so definitive about graduating from college that I think makes you feel like you yeah. have to move forward in this really specific direction. Totally. Um, and that again is supported by these systems that we live in. Um, I teach, I teach at UVU. Um, I teach music at UVU and, and I, I've been I've been saying similar things forever. It's, it's first of all, shocking that we expect 18 year olds to have the kind of perspective to like make a permanent, like what I get so upset about that sometimes. I mean, the person you are at 18 to the person you are at 24 is so wildly different. Yeah. The person you are at 24 to the person you are at 28, you know, it's just like, it blows my mind that you have to make these like, it's crazy crazy decisions. Yeah. 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 And I, I was like an an academic overachiever. I I had these unsupportive parents that we're talking about, like Uh maybe to a bit of an extreme. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's, 
it's, I'm 33. So I, I still feel very young. Like I still feel like I'm, you know, I haven't, I, there are things that I'm still like not even remotely having perspective on. Sure. Um, but, uh, you know, I think I, and I tell my young students all the time, like I was that kind of a person who did it like in the system, like correctly finished my master's degree when I was 20, Four. Me too. Yeah. And not when I was 24, but same, same. Yeah. Yeah. Thing. Yes. And then like, you know, in these last, you know, this last almost decade now, I feel like the work that I'm doing in this time is like way more important. I'm so, I'm like on, ex- like we're on the same page. Yeah. I, like I said, I was a super overachiever in high school. I went to college you know, finished in exactly four years, applied to grad school, got my MFA, immediately started teaching, you yeah, know, like same. I was teaching at 26, 27. Yeah, me too. Um, and I felt like I didn't, I feel like, I mean, even on my website, for example, I don't even have my graduate thesis yeah. on my website. Yeah. All of the work on my website is post, yeah. uh, post grad, like right after grad school. And I think part of that is because I was just so young and trying to figure stuff out. Yeah, you don't know. And I didn't. I didn't. Anything. Yeah, you don't know. <laughs> no anything. perspective. You're just yeah. like a little, you know, a baby. And that's I try to figure. I it tell out. my students, and like I have a sister who's 19, and she gets a lot of pressure. You know, people will be like, "Well, look, you know, what Emily did," and I tell her like, "This is this is bad data for you." Like, yeah. yes, those things fine, and like, you know, am I glad that I'm finished with our master's degree? Like, yes, but like there are so many other and and arguably much better ways to do that. Like get a little perspective and then you'll get like so much more out of your education. Yeah. And I think you just need to be like, give your, have space to like grow as a human. Yes. You know, I feel like I, you know, people talk about various formative years and I have said this so many times to, especially my partner who I met in grad school that like for me, grad school, which would have been 24 to 26, um, was the most formative. Yeah. Probably more so than undergrad. I mean, it just like, yeah. I figured out so many things and while I didn't, you know, resolve all of the things that I, you yeah. know, hope to continue to, of to course. learn and understand, I gained a lot of perspective on who I wanted to be as a human, but also who I wanted to be as an artist. Um, you know, and yeah, it's just crazy yeah. to me that people are at, 18 years old they're expected to know and right and go and like I think what always really makes me sad is like an 18 year old who's like I'm going to be a businessman I'm like oh this is just like (laughs) devastating because when I think of businessmen I think of like these you know like 40 year old men who like oh just it kind of I'm just like gross there's no like magic in it yeah no I know what you mean and like not that there aren't magical ways to be a businessman but like you don't know them when you're 18 I'm pretty sure yeah it is like and it and it is a very I mean maybe some of this is also just like there's a lot of intersection between like this capitalist thing and also like you know conservatism in general and I don't know patriarchal structures etc yeah um, yeah but what was I going to say? Oh, like just this idea that like you're going to be a fully formed thing when you're like 25 and yeah. it's never going to change until you die. Like, I mean, that was definitely kind of how I was raised to think about like all of the action in your life happens between when you're 18 and when you're like 26 and then it's like status, like maintenance. 
Yeah, that. Yeah, which is it. That it, sucks. It it <laughs> explodes my like in retrospect. I just feel like, and again, like I'm 33, which feels really young to me now. But like the way that I was raised, like 33 is like Might you're well done with dead. stuff. Yeah, like you're kind of done with stuff. Like, yeah. I mean, all all of the big things are over. Like you've, yeah. you're married, you've got your kids, you've got your house, you've got your job. The end. Yeah. Like we just try not to lose any of those things from there on out. Yeah. I mean, I just think, yeah, I, I just feel like there's, I like to think that like I can, I will learn until I'm dead, you yeah. know? And yeah. I think that that is way more interesting because then it means as a 34 year old and you know, a decade from now, I could be a totally different, and I hope I'm a totally different person for the better. Yeah, I say the you same know? thing all the like, time. Yeah. I just, I'd rather feel like there is something exciting. There's change. Yeah. That my life this, has like, this kind of meta creativity <laughs> that I was talking about before. That's like, you know, we, we're both people who are making things, you know, I'm writing music and recording albums and you're doing these works. Um, but like seeing your life as a creative endeavor that's the kind of thing that like doesn't belong to art professionals. Like mm -hmm. we can, and, and I, in my belief all should have that kind of like, who knows, like who knows, like I'll take every day and like take the new information that comes in and um, yeah, like see where it leads me. And uh, yeah, I, I, I want there to be more of that <laughs> going yeah. on in the world. And I think there can be, but it, again, I, I think it's, it's sort of, you know, breaking down these expectations out of people of, such yeah. an early yeah. age. I mean, I, <laughs> I was thinking about this. I have been trying to be off of Instagram, but a couple months ago I like posted something about a commission I received and I was sort of questioning whether or not I wanted to do it. And somebody that, um, went to high school with me, like accidentally responded and she like sent me a message and was like, I didn't mean to respond. Don't take my you know, pull response into account. I'm definitely not an artist. I don't understand art at all. Like she like sent me this thing and kind of went on and on and was like, hope you're doing well. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, and it just, it just made me realize that like, this is somebody that I grew up with, that we had a lot of similar experiences growing up. Like you absolutely could know yeah. and could think artistically. And, but I just, I just sort of realized in that moment. Um, and of course there's many other examples where, this individual who sort of parallels some of my existence, a, a large chunk yeah. of my existence, um, feels wildly different than me yeah. because of particular expectations. Yeah. Um, I feel that way about my siblings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, I think the other thing that makes me sad is that, for example, this person would never – would will continue even if I like said to her like oh no you know you have the ability to be a creative thinker like it's over yeah like yeah. there's nothing there's no going back at this yeah. point I mean it, it would take tremendous change and a yeah. like life shift yeah to um for her yeah. to not have the existence that she has now yeah. you know yeah I mean yeah. and I think that feels sad to me because it's there are so, so many people so many yeah. people like that yeah, I know. And I, I sometimes I feel like this way, like it's kind of like a, a, you know, hopeless is maybe a little more dramatic than how I feel about it, but not a, not a lot of hope in like the ability to kind of like change these things. And I don't know, I feel sometimes when I'm talking to my guests, like, you know, there's just like, 
there's such ample evidence that there's just like little tiny things that can make a difference, which is why it's so important to me to talk through these teen years. Cause the vast majority of us do have these kinds of things where it gets mm-hmm. beaten out of us. And when I say the vast majority of us as professional artists, so talking about how we, you know, picked up the pieces or like, what were the little things? Cause you know, I, I imagine that if someone was listening with even just a tiny bit of like, can I do a different thing? They might get clues. Mm-hmm. So, okay. I was thinking about this last night and like I said, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a visual artist since and I have a limited, um, vocabulary. <laughs> um, but, and I might just be wrong about this. So just tell me if I am, but it <laughs> seems to me like the, the, the kind of work that you do now, and even just in terms of like the broad genre is maybe the right, I don't know, genre mediums, um, are, like a bit radical or like a bit, um, I don't know. I feel like maybe people can understand like painting flowers and, and maybe like the general public wouldn't have like a template to kind of understand what you're doing. We can Mm. talk about that more later. Like I I know I'm aware that what I'm saying is very like (laughs) reductive. No, I, I, yeah, I think in terms of like audience, I'm, I like, I've always liked the idea that my work is accessible, but I am very aware that it is mostly not, um, because it is very, it's academic in some ways. It is sort of conceptually driven. It's idea driven. Um, so there's no quick solution. Um, and I think I wouldn't make art if I was just like, uh, I'm never going to just like take pictures of of flowers yeah. or make a painting of yeah. a landscape. Like I, I couldn't and I'm be not more dismissing, and I have, you know, somebody who I does have, like, that. Specific I just, questions, but like yeah. before, like before we kind of get into that, I think what I want to wonder is like, I'm imagining that if you just meet someone who's like not in the art world and you try to explain to them what you do, that they <laughs> that they'll be like, I have, I don't know what those words mean. Yeah. Do you think that's like, maybe? Yeah. Um, and I also like, if somebody's like, Oh, you're an artist what do you do? Yeah. I mean, and it's I've, like the, the worst question because I'm like, I know mm, yeah. I'm not a painter yeah. and I'm not a like ceramicist or something. So I and can't I just like stay like those. wedding photography. Yeah. Right. And I think photography is, I mean, one reason I like photography is that it's so complicated, um, mm. because it is so accessible. Right, um, you know, right. like everyone has access to it. Everyone can make images, which yeah. makes it an incredibly democratic medium. Yeah. Um, but the way that I'm using it is not the, maybe I'm giving myself too much credit. Um, but no, the way no. I'm using it is yeah. not the sort of like broadly understood version. Yeah. And so if I say like, so I, I have stopped saying I'm a photographer yeah. um, a long time ago. I, you know, I say I'm an artist, but then when people, I say I make work that uses and is based yeah. in images. Cool. Because cool. I just, otherwise there's too I much of a it. difficult. I mean, I'm a professional singer and that is something that people think they understand and they really don't. And I also feel like when people say like, what do you do? I'm just like any other question, like, please, like, I don't, don't make me answer this question again. Not that It's one. complicated and it's a bit soul sucking too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but the thing that I, the reason I'm asking this this way now is I'm wondering if like, you know, your 15, 16 year old self taking that first class, like what, what would she like, think about like meeting you now like I'm just just you know because again like this is only what 20 years ago not even yeah 
Um, and as we're talking about these evolutions and as, and these kind of changes, um, yeah. Would your young self have been like, I don't know about that, but that's badass. Would your young self have been like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, what do you think? I've actually thought about that before. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what, I guess my general thought is that if my 16 or even my, you know, 21 year old self saw where I was or what I was doing, they would be like, that's cool. I'm yeah. really happy that that's what I like, that's I'm really awesome. excited to be that person, um, which feels good. And maybe like, I don't know. I wish that person would have gotten there sooner. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, but like, I, I think I, I had really, I think be, again, while I had supportive parents there, it doesn't change the fact, you know, I grew up in a small, pretty conservative town outside of Chicago. Like very few people are leave (laughs) very few people do other things that are not like rooted in like deeply capitalist beliefs um so uh, I think that person that you know 16 year old version of me would have just mostly been wildly surprised which I think is like best case scenario you know I love I love that I was like I was hoping that you would say something like that um so I think like Maybe the thing that I'd like to talk about, and it's just pure speculation, you know, in the context of these conver- this conversation we're having about, you know, the broader societal um, capability of kind of like learning something new, understanding a new perspective. Um, do you do you feel like this kind of what am I trying? What am I thinking? Like. Okay. So I think I would have felt similar things about a lot of the things I'm doing. And also like, you know, I ended up getting a master's degree in jazz studies and I hadn't even, I didn't know what jazz was when I was 15, (laughs) you know? And if someone would have played me, you know, some like postmodern, I would have been like, I don't know what this is. I don't even have, I don't even, I have no idea how to even listen to this. Like, I don't know how to understand it, but I also would have been like, this exists. Tell me more. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think maybe because like we're both people that are like that, that's maybe why we were like, tell me more, tell me more. And then now we're like doing these different things. But maybe my question is just like, what do you think or, or do you think about kind of people's capability of like seeing something that they don't have the tools to understand and then going like, can I figure it out? Like, what are your thoughts about that kind of, this is unfamiliar, therefore it like doesn't belong to me and will never or this is unfamiliar and I don't know and it's a very yeah poorly asked question (laughs) no I think I mean I think it goes back to this idea of uh curiosity and like problem solving um you know like if I I mean there's definitely things where I'll that I'll see for example um from my own personal perspective and I'm like I want to understand that and then I don't because I don't I don't make, I don't take the steps to understand it. Um, but I'd like to think, you know, that is something that I think a lot of creative people do. Um, but I think that people who are not absolutely can, they just, okay. My mom is such a good example of this. Like she is somebody who I think could understand and be a very different person than who she is if she was a little bit more investigative 
Yeah. Like she is curious, yeah. but it stops there. So like she might see something and not understand something and she might be curious about it, but instead of like Googling it yeah. or doing research, and that's not to say she never does that, but in, in certain things, she just, she sort of like shuts down and like, yeah. that's it. And I think a lot of people are like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, of course, you know, my mom's in, in her early sixties, but like young people do it as well. People who are in their twenties and thirties, like you, you just like think that there is a certain way to be. And so change, which I think is part of being curious and investigative is not part of how you think about things. You know, like I think especially right now, there's a lot of conversations about, um, being open to the fact that you can change your mind. Yeah. Um, you know, like, especially if you post something online and then later you decide a year from after, you know, a year after a month after a week after that, like, oh, I, I wish I didn't say that. I, I don't think that way anymore, but people are just so, they just dig their heels in so much in so many different ways. And I think that exists in, in a level of like, I am curious about this thing, but I have this really rigid belief And I'm going to dig my heels in about this really rigid belief as opposed to investigating this thing that I'm interested in. And, you know, obviously, like I'm thinking about this in terms of like political ideologies and religious ideologies, yeah, Yeah. all of those things. But it also exists in art, you know, like if you go to an exhibition and you don't understand something, I am blown away at the number of times I have to say to students and non-students, family members, whoever, read google it the statement yeah like it's yeah. on the wall yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um i think people just are like oh visual arts all visual and and of course it can be but like we are like unless you're making like you know boring modernist stuff zombie formalism whatever like and it's just about this this sort of like basic visualization yeah. like most people in the 21st century postmodernist are making work that has a connection yeah, to like an idea yeah and yeah. i think that there's no reason that text and visual don't have a deeper connection and like mm-hmm. i'm not a writer i dread writing your I, writing is really lovely well, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that all the things that I read yesterday were written by you. They and, are, yeah. but it's like pain. It's like painful for me to yeah, do it. It yeah. takes a lot, um, you know, but it, part of that is because I think it's important that there is a a sort of intersection between yeah. the visualization and the text. You're like giving people a rubric or like giving them like a... Here's like a, a cookie crumb, like, yeah, like, like start here yes, and then like yeah. follow. Yeah. And yeah, then there's totally like agree. all of this, I mean, even in, in creative students, you know, if they're doing like a presentation or something in my like instructions, I'm like, read a review about an exhibition written by somebody else, not yeah. by the artist. Like there are so many ways to investigate. And sometimes I, I think I get frustrated when I, in, in these types of moments where I'm like trying to figure out like why people aren't yeah. being more investigative. Yes. So I'm like, y'all have heard of Google, right? Like, I you know. know what the internet is. I feel the same way. But I, I sometimes think that the fact that things are at our fingertips makes it even more like there's even more of a hurdle to get over it's because so it's weird. so easy. Yeah. I, I don't know I why. I get really weirded out about it too. And I, I feel like. Sometimes it's a permission thing or like sometimes I think people have just this is why I was asking these questions about like what would your 15 year old self have thought? Because 
I like, I think what some people might be surprised to learn is that your 15 year old self wasn't just already doing that stuff. Like yeah. I, th- I think most people would probably just assume like you didn't learn these things because they're not learnable. Like, I mean, that's, that's the thing that feels logical to me mm. based on how uninvestigative people are. Like they don't understand that you or I could have been totally different and then f- not only figured out this thing, but like are now participating yeah. in it. So if, you know, we can talk about how, you know, like if I can talk about how I went from like only ever having listened to Broadway yeah, to like, you know, studying some like really pretty avant-garde music, um, you know, maybe someone else can be like, oh, I didn't even realize that that process would look like that. Yeah. And then, you know, as hard as it is for people to take these steps to understand a new medium or a new genre, it's easier than maybe trying to understand how to talk to a person that's different from yourself. Yeah. And if we can like practice those investigative skills for like, you know, how do I understand post-punk? Right. Um, then I can maybe understand why xenophobia is a problem. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so true. I mean, I often think about this. I've had this conversation with my partner so many times and I think he feels that I would have always gotten to where I am some, some way, but I feel very strongly that I could have easily ended up staying in my hometown, getting married at like 25, having kids. And right at, you know, right now I would, I could easily have kids. I could be like, you know, making wedding photographs and I'm I'm not I don't say that to be dismissive of people who are doing it but like for me that is like oh my god I, I feel holy the same shit way. I could yeah. have been that person like I yeah. don't want to be that person yeah um and so I feel lucky you know grateful that I like got out um of that system of that cycle that yeah. exists um should we, let's talk but, yeah. about how you did it. So you took that, you took that first class. What happened? Um, took that first class. Did it do anything in your, to yourself? Yeah. I mean, I, I, so I guess I should also note my brother was a skateboarder. Um, he was definitely like if, if, if my sisters and I were sort of more traditional high school students in terms of activities and what we were doing, my brother has always been like, he is like the antithesis to like everything that is like typical, traditional, whatever. Um, and I, my mom was always like, where did he come from? Like whatever. Um, so he was really, he was like a skater and I I know that's like typical, you know, pretty normal now, but like in a small town and you know, the, he was really late nineties, early aughts. Like he, he was one of few, you know, like he was just sort of like a fierce, child and and I'm like and I think in some ways I was really inspired by him so when I took this first photo class I would often go to different skate spots with like him and a few of his friends and take photographs um so like I really enjoyed that um and I think it gave me a sort of different perspective on like how I wanted to view the world based on how they existed in the world and this um what would have you know sort of been considered like an alternative Type Was anybody of, giving you the kind of vocabulary to say like how I want to view the world or like, like, was this template no. of like, I might have an opinion that's different from other people 
Like, no, where that, did it come from? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I, I really don't. I think honestly, like if I really think about that, like I can probably pinpoint some, some folks. Like I think my brother really is yeah. somebody, I don't know where he got it. He just, he just was like born that person. Yeah. Cool. I mean, and I, I don't know why Yeah. he just like does whatever he wants. And of course it hasn't always been great for him, but like he is at his core, a very intense, authentic human being. Yeah, um, that's cool. and I think like I have, um, some cousins and some people who I think maybe demonstrated that there were people who had other ways of thinking, but I don't know that I would say that my parents ever gave me yeah, or teachers. You kind that, of just had like a, yeah, I did have, I will say the person who taught me photography in high school, she was really wonderful and I felt really encouraged by her. I don't know that she gave me like this different perspective, but yeah. I definitely, um, like sometimes it yeah. goes without saying like I also feel like because I think about this stuff a lot too like I'm oh I feel the same like when you were saying like I could so easily have like yeah. like I'd say all the time and like I'm not really joking like if someone had wanted to marry me earlier like if yeah. someone had like offered marriage to me earlier like yeah I yeah think yeah I could have a really different life like I feel really lucky that I like got a little bit older before mm-hmm. like that was on the table and I wasn't, I, I got married when I was 23. I was still really yeah. young, but I was halfway through my master's. So, right. Yeah. you know, I don't know. But um, what was I going to say? Yeah, I think like no, no one ever gave me the vocabulary either, maybe to be like, hey, there are other ways. Hey, you can, mm-hmm. you can have a paradigm shift. Like you can have a different perspective, but I just noticed it occasionally. Yeah. You know, I guess I should know. So, so and this relates to marked quite a lot, quite a lot. Um, I think because of my birthmark at a very early age, I learned from my mother to be incredibly resilient and also like forward Mm. and like, um, I don't know. I was, I I learned to be an asshole pretty early as a result. Interesting. Um, I think, you know, I, I, my birthmark just sort of like put me in this position to have a lot of experiences that no young person should have. And as a result, I, you know, like the sort of scrappy side of me was Mm -hmm. like, that happened very early as a result, you know, like I can remember in eighth grade or seventh grade, I was, uh, a cheerleader and I'm like walking in the little like parade for some stupid, you know, like festival, small town festival. And I was walking afterwards with some friends, like through the games and some, you know, guy who is like working a, I don't know, booth, like a, a booth. vendor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't even know what he said to me, but I very distinctly remember flipping him off. Yeah. Like, yeah. and I, I have done that. <laughs> I mean, this is what's so crazy is like, I, I think that directness is something that I now try to like temper a little bit because, because I can be a little, um, intense, but I know it comes from there. Yeah. That, just having that space. Them early, like, fuck you. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's interesting because, uh, you know, you said, was there anyone or anything that fostered this? And I will say the interesting thing is, is my mom would love for me and all of my siblings to be married and have kids and she could have millions of grandkids and that we all lived really close. But what's funny about it 
is she is the person who taught all of us that we absolutely needed to be independent and individual cool. and individually like think for ourselves. Yeah. Um, so it's like, she taught us this thing, but wishes we had like done something else. Um, yeah. And so I do, I can attribute some to her. Like while I don't think what she, that she would recognize that that sort of, um, what she taught us was, would cause, would cause us all to be like who we are. Um, but I actually think it's cool that she did, you know? Um, and sometimes I wish she, would see that as well to herself a little. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess I, I should attribute probably a lot of, I mean, definitely a lot of who I am. Um, and probably while it, why I was interested in this like alternative scene with my brother and why I was interested in like sort of pushing back on things was because from a very early age, I was taught that you, you push back. Yeah. Like you, you have kind of have to defend yourself, like authority in your person. And yeah, that deserves like yeah. some space yeah. or some advocacy or something. Right. So how did you, what happened that led you to like choose art as your like major um, in those last few years of high school? Yeah. I mean, I think just that class. Um, and I, so I won some like little award um, in high school as a result of a few images. So I think that I'm sure that felt very validating yeah. at the time um, and probably made me feel like, okay, there's validation for this thing that I've just started doing, um, which must mean that I'm capable of doing yeah. it, um, you know, which I'm, which I'm grateful for. Cause I think that probably is what sort of pushed me in that direction. So unlike a lot of 18 year olds, I did go into, into college and I declared my major yeah. um, immediately. Did you like seek out like an art school? I didn't. I had a sort of weird situation. My parents, uh, my dad had gotten a job in Florida right before my senior year started. And so they didn't want to move during my senior year, right, Yeah, um, which is very kind of them. Yeah. Um, and so my dad moved to Florida and like my parents were back and forth like wow. my whole senior year. And so I applied to all schools in Florida. And then at the end and like March of my senior year, my dad got a better job back in <gasps> Peoria, okay, um, where I'm from, and so they he moved back, and That's my great. family never moved. But as a result, I didn't apply to any schools in Illinois. Okay, um, so okay. I had planned to go to school in Florida, um, and then uh, anyway, so actually the school I went to, I applied to because it was like one of few schools that I could apply to still. Okay, okay, they okay. did have a photography, a cinema and photography program, which I was aware of. So I didn't really seek them out. And I guess I wasn't totally sure that I was going to be a photo major. You just knew you wanted. I just knew I was going to do something more creative. Were you looking like, were you kind of like looking for like an out of like this template that you were kind of seeing in your yeah i think so maybe like i'm not sure exactly what it'll be but like yeah i got this photography award and i'm gonna take that as like a go some and do something else yeah Yeah. and so yeah i think when i got to college you know like i immediately was in photo classes um Um, yeah so i'm assuming that you know this is maybe like around the first time that you hopefully start having teachers that are really giving you vocabulary for Mm -hmm. these new perspectives um what was that like Um, it was great. I mean, I think it wasn't just teachers. It was also peers, you know, like 
many of my really good friends are people that were in my photo classes. You know, like it's interesting because when I went to college, my, when my best friend from high school went to the same university as I did, as did many other people from my hometown. So even after college, there was still this chance of me getting stuck like, in my yeah. hometown, like absolutely possible. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't like, you know, <laughs> in the clear right. <laughs> at that yeah. point, but I... I think once I started, so like when I first got to college, I was still hanging out with a majority of people from high school because it was easy. That's how you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I started taking photo classes and developed, you know, really intimate and close relationships with many people in those classes who are the people that I'm, you know, close with still yeah. really, really yeah. close with. Um, and they were from all sorts of different places. Like yeah. one of my, my best friend is from Chicago. And so she had this, you know, very different perspective of me. Yeah. She was like, forward and cut and like wild but not like not like party wild just like kind of a wild interesting creative yeah. Yeah. person who just kind of did what she wanted and I was yeah. just like in awe yeah. of that like she would come into critiques with these photographs I was like how did you think of that yeah and I realized like she just like did stuff that like made her happy and felt yeah. good and that was inspiring so I think like even understanding like that could be a creative process yeah. Um, another one of my friends who grew up in a much more similar situation to me, you know, she just had this sort of poetic way about her, still does, that she, the way she would talk about things. So mm. I feel like they really inspired me. And then I had faculty who were like really encouraging and kind of um, intense. And as somebody who sort of has an intense personality, like I, I definitely respond to that. Yeah. Um, so I think that was really you know, yeah. sort of critical for me. And then I do remember very distinctly the first time I showed up to a critique with what would be considered like narrative tableau type images. Yeah. Um, I'd never heard that word. I didn't yeah. know what it meant. And one of my professors said like, oh, you, you must be really interested. You're really obviously very interested in like narrative tableau type of work what like, does that mean um like constructed images okay. so okay. like okay. um i was you know doing more like um i mean there's so many examples uh of people who do this and at the time i you know somebody i would oh, i hate to even use his name but like gregory crudson who does like these really elaborate staged uh photographs is somebody i would have been into when i was like 19 years okay. old um you know i think he's a little bit of a problematic yeah, yeah. um to say <laughs> but but at yeah. the time I you know that was I was really interested in that um I also yeah. just didn't really know a lot of like not I I will say the one thing that I have a problem with when I look back is I wasn't really introduced to a lot of female artists yeah. um I had one there was a grad student who was an uh, a little bit older um and she taught she TA'd for a class that I was in and I would get coffee occasionally with her and she would give me artists and she was huge for me because she mm. was the first person that showed me female, like a lot of female artists. Yeah. Wow. Um, so I was like really interested in Francesca Woodman, who was like doing a lot of sort of like uh, blending her body into houses yeah. in the 70s. And, you know, she died at a really young age. But I was super into that type of like making something for the camera as opposed to finding something. So sure. I went to a school okay. where actually a lot of tableau meaning like assembled like, yes assembled yeah, okay, yes okay. yeah yeah um okay. yeah constructed okay. fabricated okay. <laughs> yeah um so a lot of people I went to school with and uh, even faculty um which has changed you know now um but they would go out and make portraits of people who and in in their professions and who they were as humans right um they 
would go out and do like street type images. That was like the worst for me. Like if I had a class where I had to bring in a certain number of contact sheets and I was like making these images, I was like, I can't do this. I am a, I am somebody who like is so bored by this type of image making. Yeah. 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 Um, and I don't think I knew quite, I couldn't quite articulate. I actually thought it was a short, shortfall of mine as a, as a, you know, young person in college. Interesting. Um, but now, and as a, as an educator, I often say to people, cause I do give number counts as I like have a caveat with it because I'm always like, look, I'm not somebody who goes out. I'm never going to make 400 photographs on my digital camera ever. I don't, I don't, I don't ever clear off my SD cards because I don't make that many photographs. That's I make, I'm, I make something, I photograph it enough, but like the making is the hard part, not the photographing. It's so interesting. It's such a, this is the exact kind of like, you know, um, personal insight that I find so valuable in these conversations. Cause I, I think people would assume and like, maybe I'm wrong, but I think people would assume that like you do start out just wanting to take all these images and like you get like, you want to move beyond uh, like what you're doing is like some, like a step beyond. Mm -hmm. And I, I love this, like, you know, fact that it's, it's not a step beyond. It's like, I don't do this. And so like, yeah. this is, again, it's problem solving. And it's also just like, it's very simple. Like, mm-hmm. like people could look at it and think like, there must have been like a really complicated path between, you know, where she was and where she is or, or something. And, and really it's like, this is what makes sense to me. Like, yeah. And, and that's, yeah, it was, it's it such just... a simple, mm-hmm. it's so simple. And I think if people could understand, like Jacqueline is doing this, like partly because like, this is what she does. Like, this yeah. is what she, I mean, I just think, I just think knowing that like alone would give people like a really different, like, this is not, um, this is not an artifice. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. No, like, it's, this, this is not is like, I'm reason. trying to yeah. be like, and I'm trying to be this, I'm yeah. trying to do something that you don't understand it's like no I'm just doing what I understand yeah this just makes sense to me and I mean like I I can seriously say I have never an early photo class is one thing that a lot of people do is they go out which makes sense because this is how a lot of people start you go out you walk around Salt Lake City for example I mean that's not where I would have been but yeah in this case you walk around Salt Lake City for an hour you take a bunch of photos you look for things I can say that I have never done that. You hate it. And the yeah. times that yeah. I have done it on like a road trip or whatever, I am like bored out of my goddamn mind. Like yeah. I, it's just like not interesting to me. And not that I can't find interesting things, but I just, I don't know. Maybe it makes me not much. I, I think I am an observer, but I think I'm just more interested. And you want to, it cons- wants to be active. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I like to feel like I have, con- and maybe also it's because I am a very sort of, um, I'm a little bit of an obsessive person. I'm very particular. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like to have control in, in these, uh, particularly in art making. So I don't have control when I go out and I look around right. and I want everything, you know, so yeah. I think, I think, and that is just like part of, that's always yeah. been part of me. Like yeah. that's part of my personality. So yeah. how does that translate into art making? Well, for me, it translates in the fact that I like to make things to be photographed yeah. as opposed to find things to photograph. Yeah. Um, and I have nothing, there's nothing wrong with people who do that. Yeah. You know, I just of course. don't, yeah. I just it's can't just not and I don't. That, 
<laughs> I think I feel similarly about like, I mean, maybe this is, I don't know, maybe it's a little different, but I think a lot of people assume that songwriting is like reactive in that same way. Like you see something, you feel something, something happens to you and then you write about it. And I also feel phenomenally bored by this idea and would much rather like create something from scratch, Mm -hmm. maybe decide first, like what I want it to kind of like feel like, and then think like, how do I get there? Like, how do I get that thing? Or what I want it to mean, what kind of an Mm -hmm. effect I wanted to have. But then I'll have people, you know, like, like I'll write something that way. That's like, it's not autobiographical in any sense and have people be like, what happened? Like I'm dying to know. And I'm like, what happened was like, I wanted you to feel that thing. Right. And then I just, yeah. And you did it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. it nothing, no, like that didn't happen to me. Yeah. I don't want to write about like my own. Yeah. I mean, nest most of the time I'm it's, I want to write about something more complicated. Yeah. Or and something. I, I think it's interesting because I think a lot of people feel that way. Like I, I actually in like foundational classes now, I, make a point to talk about this type of image making because I am not joking you every single student, unless they have some prior, um, photo experience comes in and their perspective of photography is so specific and tiny that I'm always just trying to like blow it open Yeah, yeah. because otherwise no one ever is going to, (laughs) no one wants to be in my, in my area because it's like, I don't want to just make images that people put on Instagram or whatever. Like this is the student's feeling. And so like my goal is always to disrupt what they think that type of image making is. And I, 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 that's why I try to sort of express my own experiences and that I don't make work like that. Yeah. You know? And I think that's really important because if you like the type of image, image making that I was sort of, um, experienced mostly in undergrad. Um, not that I wasn't supportive, but like the type of images that were probably the most celebrated were not the type of images that I was making. Um, and I think that that can be really disheartening. Yeah. And so I work really hard because I felt that sort of like gap in my education. Totally. I I work really hard to make sure people feel supported regardless of which sort of creative direction they go in. Um, because I think that's going to make them stick around and understand that they can do this. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So this, the podcast is called artifice because it's a cool word. I say this like literally every episode and also (laughs) because I think these things like there, there is, I think there is, I, I take this word to be not necessarily like purposeful, like, I think artifice can exist when we don't intend for it to, um, it it can exist in misunderstanding. It can exist in, you know, um, you know, someone, yeah. I mean, it can exist in misunderstanding. Like, like someone can make assumptions about why you're doing something or how you did something or what it means. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I don't know. So one thing that I'm kind of just thinking of right now that maybe feels interesting to me is like, yeah, I mean, people could look at like the work you're doing or the work I'm doing and think of think and uh project artifice onto it in either direction. It, mm-hmm. They could project it in in terms of like, you know, this is contrived or like you're trying too hard to do something. Mm-hmm. I feel like I get accused of that sometimes. Um or like the other thing being like I think people could assume that your goal as a photographer or as an artist is to make something that people would put on Instagram. Like they could assume Mm. that that's your whole goal and that you're like 
falling short of it somehow. Yeah. Yeah. And even just like, I mean, it seems like really simple, but even just kind of saying out loud, like neither of those things is true. (laughs) Like this is neither like falling short of like some arbitrary beauty standards that, you know, whatever, like, it's not like I'm just not good at this thing that you think photography is supposed to be. Right. Yeah. Or the like, you know, I'm trying to do something really academic. Like it's just what you want to do. It's what you love to do. Mm-hmm. It's what you like feel. Um, I don't know. I assume like you want to affect something. Yeah. And I think like, I definitely am under like no I'm not trying to like you know fool anyone to thinking that like what I'm doing is not totally constructed you know Uh, like of course like I'm like whatever like that is that is what I'm doing um because that's what I'm interested in making um and you know the reality is is like if I wanted to just make stuff to put on Instagram like it's not hard you look at the trends it's easy to mimic that I mean we see that all the time you know there's artists who are referencing that um you know I always give this example to to students but Penelope Umberco she you know did the series I mean it's older now where she downloaded she keyworded in Flickr comments like sunsets and downloaded all of the tagged sunsets and it is like thousands and thousands of images and she hangs them like in a room it's like a whole installation and i mean i think the point is is like all of those images look exactly the same this is done yeah all over so you know and and i think she's just sort of pointing to like the like pervasiveness of the of certain types of aesthetics and things but like it's not hard to do that on instagram it's not hard to fit in with the trends so like from just like your own perspective could you speak to like why it is that like it's not your goal to fit in with the trends I mean I don't know that it's that's complicated because I think that my work does fit in with uh trends happening in fine in fine art and conceptual art making practices um and I think that and I'm not gonna pretend that like I'm above trends I think everyone falls of course uh you know falls into that sort of trap um especially you know, when things are politically contentious, um, and people are like very definitively on different sort of sides that it's easy to be like, I am making work about this because, and, but that's, that is still a trend, you know, like, um, so I think I do fall into that, but I think in terms, I just don't see a lot of merit in Instagram. I think it's interesting. I think I, I, you know, I use it, but like, social media generally I think is you know very damaging um I mean there's so much proof of that right you know and so like I I even think the things that I do post on Instagram probably do fit within a particular look on Instagram you know what I mean like it's hard it's I think some of those things are hard to sort of separate yourself from but Uh, yeah um it's really, it's really complicated. Yeah. yeah. So, but I'm not, I don't think I'm interested, but the reason I guess I'm being critical is because I, I no, don't want to make work yeah. about something just so that it fits on Instagram because it's like, what's the point? You know, yeah, like I mean, I'm not interested I'm so, in that. So with you, like I'm so with you and I feel the same way about, I mean, Spotify mm-hmm. is similarly f- like overrun with stuff that sounds exactly the same that clearly people want. Mm-hmm. 
And I also have a lot of feelings about like, it's, it's not that I couldn't do it, but I also like couldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like fundamentally <laughs> couldn't do it. Yeah. And also yeah. like, I don't want to, I don't want to. And yeah. I wish that I, I don't know, like it's, it's such an unbelievable premise to people yeah. that like you really do just have a totally different goal. Yeah. And I, or, it's interesting because there, there's actually an example I, I sort of think about <laughs> frequently. Um, I was in a, a meeting with, you know, some students, um, graduate students, and we were talking about their work and their work definitely deals is within um, realms of uh, sort of talking about racism and the political climate and things like that. And the student was showing some sort of appropriated clips and we were, you know, having a discussion. And in that discussion, my colleague, um, who's wonderful, said, how much, how much work do you look at that's about Ronald Reagan? And everyone's like, none. Yeah. Yeah. So like making work about a specific person isn't, in this case, Trump is not, is not really going to do anything. It's more like what are the issues that you're interested in and how can you talk about those issues without having it be about this like really specific thing? Because that's not very, I mean, not that everyone's like just trying to make timeless work, but like, that's not particularly interesting, you know? And especially you're already like your tar- your audience is already on like who you're probably talking to yeah, yeah. is mostly on board with you. Yeah. Um, so you're like not, you're not doing anything. Um, and it's interesting. I mean, I think that was for me, I think about that a lot because I'm like, Oh yeah. Like I know there is work that is critical of like, you know, like Reagan era, um, sure. Ideas and and things like that, but not about the person specifically. Yeah. Yeah, It's about what it's about, like the larger issues around like how humans were treated and what policies, how they affected people. So, you know, I think, about things like that a lot as well. It's like, what, what is my work about? Who is it for? And what does my audience already know? You know? And again, I'm, I'm not like opposed to like a lay person engaging with my work. I I hope I wish they would, but I just think it's like most of the people that are going to see my work. If I'm just being totally self-aware are people who probably in a lot of ways, politically and socially yeah. are they closer to me some language. Yeah. Yeah. Than yeah. than folks who are going to very much, you know, disagree yeah. with what I'm saying. Um, so it just, I guess my point is it, it just presents an interesting space. You know what I mean? Like I it, do. I it think about this kind of stuff yeah. so much as well. Like, yeah. yeah, it's very, it's like, yeah. Trying to be self-aware, trying to like mm-hmm. really look at like, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? Who is it for? what do I expect it to do? You know, it, it is like a very, it's fraught. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Is there anything else? So I have, I want to talk about, I want to talk about marked just because that was the thing that I looked at enough that I maybe like have some questions that won't sure. be stupid questions. <laughs> <laughs> maybe like some other kind of more general, like how do you see art and what's your art philosophy kinds of questions. Um, but is there anything else you want to say about, you know, just your professional life so far, like any kind of insights Mm. into, I don't know, like, like I I like kind of this subtext that we're having about just, um, 
how people can be investigative? Like, do you have any other, do you have any thoughts about like how you kind of got to a place, got to where you are now? That might be like just, you know, interesting or helpful. I mean. Key insights. This isn't very insightful, but I really think like your peers can be some of the the best examples of, of, uh, helping yeah. to sort of like push you in, in a certain direction, you know, like, as I mentioned, I felt grad school was particularly formative. Um, and I attribute most of that to two particular people who I went to grad school with, yeah. one of whom I'm married to now, awesome. you know, like, I just think like they, they came from these really different places than I came from. You know, one of them grew up out West and a very different type of family than me. One of them was a military kid and went to high school in Europe. And like, they just came with these like different perspectives. And I I will be honest, when I first met both of them, I remember our first critique, I think I said to somebody else, like, they're pretentious assholes. And I think it was because I felt so uncomfortable by how, by their confidence, by what they were saying, how they were talking, what they were doing, that I was like threatened or like challenged in a way that like made me default into like defensive. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Which happens a lot. Right. Um, and so I, I do think that was also a lesson to me because I, I will call myself on it all the time now where I recognize like if I'm being defensive, I'm like, oh, you feel challenged. I do the same thing. Oh, you feel uncomfortable. I've learned like what, you know, maybe an answer that I would give to this question that I asked you is like one really important thing that I learned during, you know, some of those types of developmental years in my life is like I've learned to flag that defensive feeling as something I need to look at yeah, and not as the end of something. Yeah, no, <laughs> like totally. I flag it as the beginning of something. Yeah. Same here. And I think when I feel it and I notice it, I like have, I sit with it because otherwise, you know, yeah. what else am I going to do? I just sit with it. And then after I've sort of gotten over that initial, like, you know, sort of gut response, I then think about it and I try to respond to it. Yeah. And I think that is one thing that helps move my my art making forward. I think it's one thing that helps me move forward as a human and as yeah. a person is that I try really hard and I'm of course not great at this all the time, but I try to recognize it is that like, it's okay to change my mind. Yeah. It's okay to unlearn and relearn something. It's okay to feel challenged, yeah. you know? And so I think grad school was maybe the first time that I really recognized that. Yeah. And that is what helped me to probably be, I, I just truly think that if I, I mean, I could have met somebody else somewhere else. I mean, there's no real point in like trying to figure out what my life could have been or would have been had I not yeah. met these people. But like, it just can be good lessons to, as yeah, moving forward. Yeah. Like, but the reality is, yeah. is like they were, they really were helpful and me understand. I mean, they don't even probably, they would never think about themselves in this way and we don't really talk about it, but like yeah. as somebody who hadn't had those types of experiences, yeah. really, it was huge. It's a, it's a huge eye opener. I, yeah. I had similar experiences in college. I went, I grew up in Arizona in Mesa, Arizona, which uh-huh. is, it, there is, there's mostly a lot of one kind of person there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I went to school in Denton, Texas, which is Mm. a a real liberal little pocket, like a real hippie town in Texas. Um, it's in North Texas and it's just a weird, like counterculture little place. You went to North Texas. Okay, cool. That's a good art school. Yeah, Yeah. it is. I actually, um, somebody I worked with, uh, 
Chicago SAIC teaches cool. there cool. now in the photo department. It's also like a fantastic jazz. It's a really good music school. Oh, cool. So I, I went out there for music and, um, you know, 80% of the jazz studies degree is people outside of Texas. Like that's just the kind of school it is. Like it's yeah. a public school, but people come there from all over the world. So yeah, for the first time in my life, I was meeting people who were like not American, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, um, meeting people who were not only not Mormon, but like not religious at all yeah. and never had been <laughs> like yeah. their families, their parents were atheists, yeah. you know? Yeah. No, I, I had a very similar, uh, yeah. I guess in, in grad school, but that was very similar. And I, yeah. I did not grow up Mormon, but I grew up in a religious household Yeah, and I had all of these issues and I, I recognize those issues very early on. Like I can now in hindsight, like recall all of them. Yeah. Um, but only until I recognized that there was an, an alternative. Yeah, like there are other yeah. things. I mean, my brother's said he's been an atheist. I mean, my brother like claimed atheism yeah. when he was like 10 years old yeah. or something, something, which is just like, again, he sort of like did whatever he wanted. Yeah. Um, but for me, he was like the only person that I knew that was like that. Yeah. And he's like your brother. I yeah. Mean, so it's like a weird... Yes, I I totally get it. Like, to me, like, the kinds of things that felt alternative to me in my, like, little childhood were, like, a lady in the neighborhood who has a job, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Who teaches at the school. Yeah. Like, just, I mean, the range, the spectrum that I was exposed to was so narrow that, yeah, going, you know, going to college and just being like, oh, it's like, there are there are options for things that I don't even have a reference for. Right. Haven't seen it on TV. Haven't read yeah, about it in yeah. a book. Like, and yeah, that really, like you said earlier, like I want to blow it open. Like that just made me be like, but my kind of reaction to it, even as a young, even as, you know, an, a very sheltered 18 year old, which I, I do kind of think this piece must be like genetic or something, but was just like, what else do I not know? <laughs> Like yeah. what other stuff don't I know? Yeah. Oh, instead of like some kind of, you know, I never felt, I personally never felt defensive about those kinds of things. I was mm. just like, what, <laughs> how did I not yeah. know? Yeah. And what other things am I missing? Um, okay. I wanted to ask you about like maybe some particular things you, you don't have to talk about marked specifically. You can talk more generally, but, um, so, some of the things that I noticed, um, I, you know, and again, like I, I am an artist, but now I'm not a visual artist, but as I was like looking through the whole, like the whole exhibit, um, I was trying to kind of think about, you know, what am I seeing and what might she have been intending? So I'd love for you to maybe talk about, and you can talk about these things in whatever order, but like how you, like how you decide what you want to, um, your work to be about, like what you mm-hmm. kind of want to get at. Um, and then maybe how you kind of start to conceptualize like what mediums or what type of thing is going to do, like help you do that. And yeah, maybe let's start with those. I have some other yeah. questions too. Um, I don't know that I have a like direct answer because I think I, I, I'm somewhere, but like, hmm. I have an idea. I execute it. I don't always know what that idea means. Yeah. Okay. So I, I'm somewhere like, at least when I'm starting a process, um, and often that start 
can take a very long time. Yeah. Um, I might have like a nugget of an idea okay. or a thing that I'm interested in. And I'm like, all right, let's just, let's try. And would the thing, could it be like something really specific or something very vague? Yeah. Okay, and I think, vague. I think, it, I think it can go in either, either direction. Like okay. in the case of marked, um, you know, I have, I'd never, ever made work about my birthmark before. It had been suggested to me many yeah. times by many different faculty. That's kind of annoying, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, yeah. And I, I just was like, when people would suggest it, I'd be like, no. Yeah. No, absolutely not. Yeah. No, I was like, so I would get so like mad about it. Cause I think, you know, it's like this, this thing that I just wasn't really what, ready to sort of like deal with. Well, especially um, if you've really worked hard to be like, this isn't me. Like, like, yeah. or, or something, you know, like if you've kind of learned to like separate the kinds of criticisms that maybe people had when you were young from like your sure. own like worth, like, yeah, I can yeah. imagine I, that I mean, it's definitely like, like, I mean, it's just like straight up body shaming, right? you know? Um, yeah. And then like, why do I want to like, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to like call attention, Yeah, but I, I think I don't really remember why. Oh, I actually do remember why I had a really bad experience walking home from a grocery store. Um, I was followed in a car by people for a long time who were like screaming at me. Um, Jeez. Yeah. as just because they assumed that I had hickeys on my neck. I mean, it's just like mind blowing to me sometimes when I say it out loud, I'm like, no one, no one will ever believe these things. Like, it's yeah. so absurd. Like, yeah. because <laughs> It's like, why would you ever do that? Yeah. But people do it. People you do know? things that are People insane. can be horrible. Um, so that happened <clears throat> and it, you know, it wasn't more traumatic than other things. It was equally as traumatic mm. as a lot of things. But I think as I've gotten older, I like maybe thought it would stop, mm. you know, and it hasn't, you know. Um, so I think that was maybe the impetus for like being like, I'm going to, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to like make work about yeah. this and maybe it becomes nothing, yeah. but maybe it'll make me feel. So it started a, a way there. of dealing with it. Yeah. Okay. So it started there and it really was just purely like, I'm going to make work about this mark that's on my body that has, has caused, uh, you know, verbal, physical, yeah. um, abuse, <laughs> Yeah. You know, people touching me that I don't want touching me. Yeah. Um, just like crazy shit. And I'm going to make some, a few pieces about it and we'll see what happens. Were um, and that's what I did. <laughs> were you thinking at that point? Cause I know like your this project is also talking about like the land yeah, that and came also in much like later. just bodies. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So what, in what order? Like, like I just, I'm just curious, like how, how does it evolve? Yeah. And those are just the concepts and not even like the, yeah. How, how does it, yeah. how did, how do you do it? So how did you do that? I mean, I think, so I had a show in Chicago and I was living in Chicago and I had a studio and it would have been the last year that I was in Chicago. And that's when I, I started making this work. Um, and the first two pieces I made were like purely like it was, um, and I knew I didn't actually want my birthmark in any of them. I mean, it is, it is occasionally in it now. Um, but at the time I was like really interested in it, in it as a symbol, yeah. um, as something off of my body to like 
that still has this like really specific shape and form. Yeah. Um, and so the first piece I made was this piece that's a double panel and then like a sculptural piece. Um, yeah. that sort of, that's the one, the like partner the, piece. There's like yeah. a, it's like a cutout and then yeah. the standing piece. Okay. Um, so that, what those image, what those pieces are of is I sampled different parts of my skin tone. Um, mm-hmm. and I went to, uh, like, you know, Home Depot and yeah. got paint swatches and cool. got paper. And like, so I, I sort of sampled it um, and then made this sort of installation in my studio off of it and then photographed it multiple ways and then layered those and made these objects. Um, and I had a show in Chicago uh, early in like early win- or late winter, early spring. Um, and so I had made that piece and I had started making these pieces with um, I was laser cutting dark slides, which go into the back of a four by five camera. So this was both digital and analog, which okay. sort of gets to your second question. Um, yeah. and I, I honestly was doing both all the time. Okay. Like I made decisions later based on what things looked like and how they turned out. Um, but I, I just sort of work with both and then I make decisions after okay. the fact. Cause I, I like both. Yeah. Um, so I was like doing both kind of like um exploratory yeah i was definitely okay. i was definitely early experiment you know experimental sort of stage of things um and then i had access to a dark room so i was making these like silver gelatin like photograms which essentially is just like you block light. i really like those yeah. yeah um so i was doing like those three things all at the same time does it um, feel like like i know these questions are like impossible to ask i just feel like again like this is the kind of stuff that like there, there is inherent artifice in assuming and I mean, not from you, but like from me, like there's inherent artifice, like assuming anything mm-hmm. there's inherent, you know, or just, there's going to be confusion. So as, as much as it's an impossible thing to reflect on, like, can you tell me anything about like what your state of mind is like, like as you're starting to make these things, not knowing like what they're going to end up as, like, what are the kinds of things that you're like? waiting to feel or like looking for um, I mean mostly in these early stages if I'm being totally honest it's just like total chaotic anxiety okay yeah you're just <laughs> like, like you're just like, like I'm just like a chicken with my head cut off you know like I'm just trying different things I don't know what I'm doing I'm probably panicking a little bit about the fact that I don't know what I'm doing okay um I mean that's I think that's great like a little neurotic I you mean, know I think again um, like this is the kind of thing like this is a really important thing to say out loud because it maybe gives someone else permission to feel chaotic and neurotic and yeah. not know. Yeah. Know? I mean, I, I'm definitely like, I am not getting like struck with some lightning idea. You yeah. know, I'm like, I have this thing. I want to try some different things. I have kind a show coming up. I'm interested Again, in. I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. You know, so I, I had made, that's cool. In this show I had, not not just one the double panel not the actual cutout piece okay um i had the dark slides that i had cut i had a piece made with the dark slides a uh, photograph and then i had the photograms and they were all sort of made from a specific dark slide i mean pieces which is the shape of my birthmark okay um yeah. so that was the sort of first iteration and that was very much based in my body about my experiences but really trying to understand that like this 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 mark there are all of these ways in which bodies are marked yeah and those marks absolutely impact how we are how we experience the world how we are treated in the world our um what we're what we are able to do 
um, because of limitations and expectation, you know, all of these things. Um, so it was very much about that, but also very much about me and my experiences and trying to just sort of like deal with it. Um, and yeah, but I, I will say it was early on. And even, um, when I interviewed at the U for, uh, on campus, it's, it was hard to talk about early on because every, I knew this would happen. Um, which is why I've probably never made work about it is that people would think I was like trying to make people feel bad for me. Yeah. Like, Oh, poor you, you know? And I'm like, I don't give a shit what you think, you know, (laughs) if I'm being honest, like I am talking about my experiences and like, you don't get to take that away from me. And so people would ask questions. Um, when I, like when I, if I had work in a show and had to like participate in a panel discussion, like, has this work helped you with your trauma? Like, no, I hate that question more than anything. (laughs) No, I'm not trying. Like, yes, this is like coming from a place of trauma and maybe it could be seen as like re-traumatizing in some ways, but like, I mean, for me it it wasn't, um, which I, you know, I don't recommend people make work that re-traumatizes them. Um, but no, it's not helping me cope. It's not helping me. It's, it's, if anything, it's just giving me an opportunity to deal with it. Yeah. yeah, Um, and to engage with like how other people, how this, how these experiences are not unique to me. Yeah. Like this particular experience is perhaps, perhaps is unique to me. This is like the thing that you can talk about because it's your experience, but. Right. But I, I am attributing that to the ways in which all women have probably experienced various forms of assault, yeah. uh, verbally, physically, whatever, yeah. all people, you know, like, yeah. so I, I think like, I see these things like sort of transcending like myself into yeah. something. It's just an, it's an entry point. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I start from a personal place and hope that it becomes, uh, like, I, I don't know about universal, but much broad. more open. Yeah. yeah. A little bit more broad. So, um, you know, it started from there and, um, yeah. And then, you know, when I got the job out here, that's when all the landscape yeah. stuff started to come in. Um, and that really is what sort of shifted yeah. the, I don't know that it shifted the direction, but it, it changed the scope yeah, of yeah, the yeah. work. Um, and so in fact, to the point where like, I am now putting a cutoff on, on my work on marked and I'm making new work that I'm calling something else yeah. because at some point it's like transitioned into something yeah. else, you know, which is what happens. And like one question that I feel like a lot of people ask, um, students and otherwise, like, when do you know one project in and another one starts? Yeah. I'm like, I never know until <laughs> often until somebody else is like, this is about that. And I'm like, Oh, you're right. It's not, Yeah, <laughs> that's about something else. Yeah. Um, so I'm sort of there now. And I think, you know, there's, work and marked that probably could be moved into a different project. But the reality is, is like, I thought about it in this way and I'm going to leave it. Um, so yeah, I think in terms of like medium, what medium I'm using, if I'm using, uh, you know, analog processes or body suits you made, (laughs) like, like, yeah, I mean, had you done anything like that before? Uh, I, okay. So no, yes. And no, I had none of my work online would suggest yeah but in under- I was looking yeah I in was undergrad like, is this new and grad school I did so in undergrad I did a series where I would like rent stuff from the theater department and I did all these like weird costuming like tableau things um that were often like very involved and performative um and I didn't really necessarily make any of the things I did make some things like 
Yeah. But most of it, like I would um, paint things to put in the set and whatever. Right. Um, and then in grad school, I did full installations where I like built a room and mm. I would change the, the wall color and I would perform, perform in the room. Um, but it was always, it always felt a little too contrived. Okay. Um, which is interesting Yeah, that I feel that, that I still feel that way. Like it was almost like too much. Um, but like not, it was like too contrived without any absurdity, you know, it wasn't like, okay. yeah. um, it was just like a little too, I don't know, contrived. Too, yeah, yeah. I, that's the only word I can. When, what kind of, what do you mean like performed in the room? Like, like I did a, an installation where I painted, I built this room. Um, I mean, it was really two walls. It was probably like the size, like two, eight feet walls. Okay. Um, eight feet high, eight feet wide. Um, and I painted it, um, the, I actually had this dress that I'd gotten from my, um, my mom's biological mom who died when she was very young. Um, and it had, it was white and had these like big flowers on it. And I made a stencil of the flowers and I painted the entire room with the same flowers. Um, and then I just sat in the room and like, I had cut a hole in the ceiling. So I just like, the whole thing was like looking up and waiting for somebody to come down and rescue me from this room. I mean, it's like kind of cheesy, but that was sort of what I was doing. Um, and so So there's perform not like, um, movement. No, not movement. Yeah. Although there was one where I painted it in these like all of these blue like rainbows and I had this like blue dress and I sweep, I was just like sweeping up glitter on the floor. What does that like mean to you to put yourself in it? Like, Mm. I mean, in some ways I just like knew what I, I wanted and to have to dictate that to somebody else or a person. Yeah. And I had worked with enough people like trying to model for me that I like would, I would get images back get them back because I was shooting mostly film, um, and undergrad and I would be like disappointed in them. Yeah. And so I became better at like being directive, but I also just knew what I wanted. I also think like a lot of my work stems from a personal sort of place and experience, like everyone's work does in some way. Um, and so it was easy to do that. I do think only in marked did I really come to terms with why it had to be me, which (laughs) is pretty obvious in in this case. Um, but I do think, you know, when I think about this idea of performance, it was always like I was performing as the performer. Right. You know, so right. it doesn't it wasn't always me. Right. So like I was making that type of work in every stage of my academic career. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I had. So the two dimensional shadow work, which is what I made right before had finished sort of making before marked, which is very uh was that the abstraction yeah. stuff? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, and it, it's all, it is installation. It is like, yeah. you know, it, so it, all of these things actually fall very much within like the type of work that I like to make. But I, the reason I started making that work is because I was really tired of feeling like I was uh, a female artist yeah. making yeah. work about women's things. Yeah. Um, and that like really bothered me and frustrated me. And so I was like, I'm not going to make work about that, that stuff. W- that work is about privacy. Yeah. Right? And surveillance yeah. and yeah. online um, fragmentation cool. and digitiz- digitization of ourselves and um, things that I am genuinely interested in. And, and that and is that why I sort of jump around. By, and, yeah. Aren't like um, associated particularly with right. femininity or something. Yeah. Like um, that work would not, if, if that work was seen, I felt, you know, when I first started making it, no one could say that a, a woman or a man or a right. person who identified, yeah. yeah, like, and so I think I was really frustrated with how 
I, and I'm still frustrated with that. I mean, you know, there are women artists and then there are artists. I mean, it's still like a stupid conversation that we're it having. It is a stupid conversation. Yeah. Um, but I think I was feeling frustrated. And so that's why I started making, I mean, that's not the only reason, but that was one of the reasons I started making that work. Um, and so the way that I look at marked is marked is like the best example of like all of the different ways that I make work coming together. Yeah. So it engages with still life based images it engages with small and large installation, uh, fragmentation, yeah. making things for the camera it engages with performative practices, yeah. um, and the costuming, which has not existed in my work for a very long time, um, is present. Yeah. So the body, I mean, sorry, this is like the longest way to get to no, the bodysuits. No, um, I love all of it. It's But so I think that has always been part of something I've been interested in. Um, I just haven't done it in a way that ever felt interesting. Um, and I start, why did I start doing it? I think I just had this idea. Oh, I know why. It's because I had been drawing in Chicago. So this was actually when I first started the project. I had bought paint and I had like spilled it or something on plastic. I really don't remember. Yeah. It was like a total experiment. Yeah. Like I don't know why I did it, but I did it. Yeah. And I realized that latex paint dried on plastic was just like a material yeah. like that I could work with. I right. could sew with it. I could do all these things. Um, so in Chicago, I was like making these weird blobby paint things, but I was like putting them directly on my body and trying different things. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't like, it was really hard to photograph with them because I was like, had to be fully naked and like sticking them on and like tape doesn't stick to a body very well. Yeah. But I had all these like weird blobby things. And at some point I just realized, um, with all of these stacks of dried paint that like, oh, I should just put this on a, suit, on a suit that I can yeah. like put on. So yeah. then I made the first bodysuit, which is the sort of white flesh. Camo. Like, yes. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah the white camo suit. Uh, yeah. That's the first one I made. And then I had been drawing some different um, pink paint based on my birthmark and other you know parts of my yeah. body um, that I wasn't sure what to do with. And I made the second suit, um, which was like, you know, the round bright pink nipples and like the pink on the vaginal area. Yeah. Um, so those two I made around like the exact same time. And then more recently, um, I've made another version of the, of the pink one, um, which I wear with a clay pigeon bikini that I've made yeah. and I perform in the desert. So, yeah. um, yeah, I think, you know, that interest has always been present for me. Um, yeah. it's just a matter of like, I got there very slowly because I think I felt like it was, I don't know, over it's, the top or, you know, I, I don't quite I get know. It. But. It's like so hard to find a line between like, like, you know, something's meaningful to you, but you're not sure if like the meaning has been fully translated into the thing. Yeah. <laughs> or if like some of it is just living in like yeah. your own understanding and like knowing the point at which the meaning has like sufficiently like found itself mm -hmm. in the, in the work. Yeah. Um, and I think at first it's always like, for me at least, it's like a little bit of a bad idea, a little bit cheesy, like over the top, but like not in a good way. Um, so, so I think I often am trying to like figure out 
Like, why am I interested in this so that it doesn't do those things so that it actually is meaningful? Right. Like, but I love this. I love that. This is a question that I ask my guests a lot. Like, what is the process between like, like, do you have an idea and then you make a thing? Do you make a thing and then kind of be like, actually, I think this is what it means. And I feel like a lot of times people assume that these things are somewhat linear. And in my experience, they're not at all. No, my God, no. And I feel I'm relating a lot to what you're saying of just like, yeah. I, I'm figuring it out as I go. Like I'm, I'm, I have a feeling that I'm kind of following and I'm, and, and, and some of, for me, like some of the things like, you know, when I'm sitting down to write, sometimes it's just, it is very chaotic. I'm just like, yeah waiting for something to kind of like pique my interest. And Mm -hmm. then I might follow that branch for a long time. It might turn into something totally different or I might just develop it and I can trace it back. Right. Or I might just be like, but this was the, this was bad. Yeah, (laughs) no, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm somewhere between like, if, if those are the two sort of like types of processes, right. You have an idea, you do something or you work intuitively. I am always, bouncing back and forth yeah and not quite Um, knowing like maybe yeah I mean there are what's gonna be what yeah and I I think you know like marked particularly like the first six months of it I was like just doing all these experiments with a four by five camera because I was trying to figure out this in in camera like masking and laser cutting and I mean I have stacks and stacks of four by five film that I will never show anyone yeah Either, I mean, not because they're bad exposure, so it's just not interesting images, but it's all around the beginning of Marked. So it's like I I very much am, like, not somebody who shows everything. Like, I show, like, the few things that I'm actually interested in. That doesn't mean that there are, like, mounds of other horrible examples of of things that I was trying to do um, in in relation to an idea or a thought uh, or a line of inquiry, you know. So I have, I have like maybe two more questions, like in, in this, like yeah. specifically, um, I'm thinking particularly about like three things. Um, one, the, the, the standing in the desert with the green, mm-hmm. like I, I'm curious, like how, like whether you had an idea of like what you were going for mm-hmm. or whether you were taking a bunch of pictures and then looking at them later, like. Cause you know, at least the way I saw it on, I think your website, there's like two moving images, right? Or one still yeah. and one moving. Yeah. So the, the green screen stuff, a lot of that is from a video piece. Right. Um, yeah. And so they're just stills. So that's why there's multiple. Oh, okay. Um, so, which is, which I'm only saying because it makes it easier to sort of like make a sequence or a triptych of, of them because I can very clearly like say yeah. time. But like, this. did you want, like, I mean, this is like, maybe this is even too specific of a question, but like with the green, there was like one where it was like mostly covering up your whole body mm-hmm. and then like it just like shows for like a second. Like, was that purposeful? Um, I mean, some of that, I don't have total control of that. That's like some of the happy accident stuff like okay. that you hope happens. Right. Yeah. Um, and the wind. Thank God for wind. Um, the wind sort of did that. But I think, you know, in general, the green screen for me, the reason I don't actually green, I did not green screen it out in this case is be, and this is something I still think about a lot and I still use the green screen. It's like the green screen is, can be a form of erasure, right? right. Like it, you can put whatever you want on it. So right. like I could, so in the same way that that sort of camo 
white person bodysuit blends me into the desert. The green screen can also blend me in. It can also take you out of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I began thinking about how the green screen has this ability um, to erase or to add. And so it became this sort of way of oscillating between visibility and invisibility. And really, you know, at the time I, and continue to think about this, I was thinking about the way in which a gendered body, um, a white gendered body can be both visible and invisible because whiteness is a privilege, but being gendered can make you hyper visible. And, um, so I, I was sort of thinking about that and maybe, you know, those things don't have to exist in the desert, but it, it worked out that like I could blend into the yeah. desert as a way of sort of suggesting. Um, and I think the other thing is because I was thinking about the way in which I could blend the desert, it also became the fact that then the desert just became a backdrop and the desert is incredibly contentious, particularly where I go shoot, which is in the West desert, the, <clears throat> the land use, who owns it, yeah. who manages it, who has access, who feels safe, like all of these things come into play. Um, and I began thinking about, and now that's, you know, a a line of inquiry that I think a lot about, um, is what that space represents. So in a way, like the green screen functions as a backdrop as much as the desert function as a backdrop for resource extraction, shooting guns, writing ATVs, whatever. And it's not even necessarily about being critical of those things. It's just acknowledging that like those things do not think about the land and the animals and the desert. It's just like, it's like it's negative. It's like, it's a negative space. Yeah. It's just, it's just a, it's a non-place. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, it is absolutely a place of serious complication and complexity, um, Mm. and history. And so the green screen really became a way of sort of examining that and sort of pointing at that as like, this could be in my studio because I do like a lot of the images and, um, that you'll see that are on my website, for example, some of them are in the desert. Some of them are absolutely in my studio on a backdrop of the desert. Yeah. 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 So I will photograph the desert and then print it out large and then put it in my studio as a backdrop to sort of facilitate this, this conversation around like a simulated space and simulated space (laughs) you know a non-space that I think is absolutely has all of this history and contention and um you know I mean and some of the areas that I shoot in um are and that other people are shooting guns in are ancestral go shoot land um you know so it's like there's this form of erasure that just exists um Mm. and so calling attention to that but also trying to acknowledge my body in that like I'm, I am a white person in this space as well yeah. and understanding that complication, um, yeah. and trying to sort of be critical and self-aware of it. Um, yeah. so yeah, so I don't I, even know how we got there. No, I, well, I mean, <laughs> you did exactly what I wanted you to do, which was just like reflect on your work. Um, yeah. And then I think, I think I, I kind of asked this already, but I, I want to just ask it again. Um, and maybe you'll be like, I already answered this and maybe you'll have a slightly different answer, but Um, like I also felt very curious about the images where you have like the glove and you're kind of like Mm. holding open a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm, I kind of wondering the same thing, like 
how much of this is really intentional and how much of it is like, are the, like, are the colors, do the colors meet? Like how much of it is intentional? How much of it is like, this has a specific meaning or it's more like intentional in like a broad kind of a way. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because the gloves initially, the first time I started cleaning up in the desert and taking stuff, um, either to throw away or, to like bring back to my studio. I just didn't want to touch any of it. And I happened to have latex gloves in my car. Uh, this is pre COVID. Yeah. <laughs> so they didn't mean anything. Yeah. Um, and so I just started using them to pick up garbage. Cause I was like, yeah. this is disgusting. Um, yeah. and they aren't work gloves, so it didn't make a lot of sense. Um, so then I just sort of kept using them and I liked the way they looked, yeah. uh, color wise. Yeah. Um, I like the way they, they are f- striking. Yeah. That's why I yeah. like, I looking at it was like, this is feeling like something to me. And I wondering like how much of it is. It was initially like a purely practical, what was on hand decision. Um, it became then an aesthetic choice. Uh, and even in the studio, like I still don't want to touch all of this gross garbage. Um, and so it became a way of like touching it and having it in the images without, you know, like, yeah. Um, touching other people's garbage. I mean, just at its like very core. Um, but then I liked how the repeating glove became sort of an interesting, like a character. Yeah. 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 Um, and so then I did specifically choose certain latex gloves and colors and then COVID happened. And now I no longer use latex gloves because I think there's too much of a direct connotation, uh, to COVID. And that's not why I started using them. Um, and I don't want the work like reflecting back in that way. No. And I, I'm not yeah. like, I think it's great. People were making work about COVID. I just, you know, it was like traumatic enough. I don't need to like, I, um, make- I started writing an album like five years ago called masks. <laughs> and like, get this. One of the songs on the album is about viruses. Oh my God. <laughs> I finished, I finished recording the music in like February of 2019. Of course. And then like, was like had like may 8th 2020 is like a release date that's crazy and i feel like robbed a little bit yeah and now it feels like this is like about that and And it's it's really about like my narcissistic parents um institutional structures of power yeah you know yeah and i'm thinking like a virus is a great like metaphor for Mm -hmm. these kind of like yeah yeah so that's So you have latex gloves and I'm just like, I have this whole whole project called masks. God damn it. Yeah. I mean, I I stopped using, I think I used the gloves maybe last summer a little bit because I just hadn't really thought about it yet. Yeah. And then I was working on this new, this, these new pieces, um, video based works. And I was like, I, and actually I had hired two assistants to help me shoot some of this stuff. And I bought latex gloves and I bought regular sort of like more fitted work gloves. And we were talking about it and they're like, yeah, don't use the latex. Like it's too related to it's COVID. too on the nose. Yeah. And I'm like, oh man, this is like crazy. I just never like thought that some, you know, extra set of yeah. like gloves for in case yeah. of emergency in my car is like yeah. would evolve anyway. So the gloves really just were like a means, yeah. um, a functional choice, um, an aesthetic choice. Yeah. Um, and now I use, a. have bought more like work-based gloves that yeah. sort of match, 
more more specific like i'm doing all the stuff about blaze orange which is the color of clay pigeons and hunting and um so now i have sort of like gardening gloves because work gloves are just too bulky for me i can't i don't actually have enough dexterity dexterity, yeah Yeah. (laughs) to pick things up so i got like an in-between that actually fits me but they're orange so now they have more specific meaning um that's so interesting which i think will make more sense in the more in the newer work um but yeah, initially it just... I love that process of like, it's it's just again like problem solving, but then like there is meaning here and I'm going to put, now I'm going to put it there yeah. like with intention. Yeah. I really yeah. like that kind of thing too. Yeah. I feel like that's another like, like artifice. And again, like I don't think of this word as like a negative connotation, yeah, just, yeah. but it's another kind of thing of like, now this has a meaning, but like it wasn't like an upfront intention to like, but now it is. Um, I don't know. I just think it's cool. Um, is there anything else that you want to say about, well, okay, wait. Yeah. I'll ask this first. Is there anything else you want to say about like your intentionality with your work and maybe also like, so, so I like to think of like when I'm talking with my guests about these, like what I call like the artifice things, which Mm -hmm. is just the spaces where we, where we make assumptions, I think Mm -hmm. like, or whatever, or the spaces where misunderstanding can happen or whatever. So I think of it in a couple of different ways. Like what is the, um, relationship between the artist and their art? Um, meaning like, you know, what's intentional, what's discovery, what's like meaning inferred later, what's meaning inferred up front. Um, what's the relationship between the audience and the art? Um, and maybe what are your thoughts about like, how important it is from your perspective for the audience to like understand the art in a certain way. Um, and then finally, like what's the relationship between like the art and, or the, the audience and the artist. So I don't know, like, do you have any thoughts about those things? I mean, I think, you know, I would like for the viewer, my audience to understand the work or to take something from it or to bring, you know, like, yeah, I would like them to get it. But I think the reality is that I have no control over that and I have no control. I mean, I do have some control in that. Like I can have, you know, try to make my artist statement make sense with the visuals and um, which, of course, it should. Things like that. But ultimately, like I don't have a lot of control over them. Um, You know, they're going to bring to the work whatever, whatever they've experienced. um, And that's going to impact how because people just project themselves you know onto onto everything um so that's going to impact how they understand it and get it um and interpret it um and I think that's okay yeah um it's inevitable yeah I think it is hard sometimes where like I've had experiences where somebody has like said something about like a word or a thing I've mentioned um and they're really stuck on it and then they like give all these examples and I'm like, well, you've sort of missed the point. Yeah. Um, and I think there are moments where you like stuff like that, where you just kind of have to be like, okay, well you're just like, you don't get it. And that's yeah. okay. And I try to take something from that too. Like why, right. why were they stuck on this? What didn't they get? How can I deal right. with that or avoid that in the future? Right. Um, you know, but I, I would like the audience to get something from it. Um, I do like to make, you know, aesthetically 
pleasing type of images. So I, I do like the idea of like sort of seducing the viewer in, pulling them in through certain visuals and color yeah. um, and things that I think people are just like generally attracted to. And then having the sort of like rest of it be revealed to them after they spend more right. time with it. Right. Um, I don't know that that always works. Yeah. Um, I get that, you know, but yeah, I would like the audience to understand what I'm trying to say or to spend time with it. But I think that's kind of, I mean, it's, I don't think it's a big ask, but like, especially in terms of like video work, like people will ask, Oh, is it going to be over five minutes? Cause like I personally can't sit for more than five minutes. And I'm like, uh, sounds like a personal problem. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think if you're not willing to like, one thing I say to my students when we're talking about critique is we read through this list of, of different um, reasons for critique. And one of them is artwork demands to be interpreted. And I think like, I can't control if you're, if you're unable to spend time with the work. I mm. can't control if you don't want to sit because the video is eight minutes and not five minutes. Yeah. Like I'm yeah. not going to, I'm not going to make my work fit within a mold to appease an incredibly social media, quick fix, validation based society. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. I, I'm just like not interested. Yeah. Um, so if I'm going to make a 10 minute video because that's what it takes, like it's going to be a 10 minute video. And yeah. if you don't watch the whole thing, then like, sorry. Yeah. Um, and then like, if you want to talk to me about it, that's fine. But like, if you come and you're like, I didn't really get this. It's like, it's, you didn't watch the yeah. whole video. So I, I think it's right. like complicated, you know, like I can only, I can only do so much. I can hope that I'm making yeah. connection, visual and uh, visual connections, and that my artist statement is supportive in a way that people are interested enough. Yeah. Um, but I also recognize that like there are times where maybe the work's just not good enough, or interesting enough, or compelling enough, mm-hmm. um, and that's something for me to think about. So yeah. you know, I think it's complicated. To- Yes. Um, All of these things are so complicated. And yeah. sometimes I get really wishy-washy with how I'm answer- asking the question. Yeah. Because I'm just like, mm-hmm. well, and, but <laughs> it's not definitive. You know, it's like so subjective. <laughs> That's like such a it's so stereotypical and thing it's, to say. And it's but. unknowable. Like, yeah. the, some of these things are just not like, there just isn't an answer that's like, right. or, we, or we just don't know. Or like, yeah. it's such a case-by-case well, and I, yeah. I think like, you know, okay, if you see a painting and, okay, if I see a painting and it looks like Basquiat and I'm like, that looks like Basquiat, like bad Basquiat. And then somebody else is like, oh my God, that painting is incredible. It's amazing. They don't even know who Basquiat is. Like, yeah. and then they are like, I'm going to buy that work. Like we have very different perspectives coming into this piece yeah, and understandings of, not even just art history, but like taste and whatever it might be, you know, we're like that person feels positive about it. And I'm like, right. This is, this is like not good. (laughs) This is not interesting to me. Um, so I just think, you know, like there's things like that happen and, and there's no control over that. It happens in music to such a degree. Yeah. (laughs) To such an, to such a staggering. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that happens in my work, you know, I'm like giving this as an example, but like, I'm sure there are people who feel the same way about my work who are just like, uh, boring, stupid, you know, like all of these, like, you know, lame adjectives that it's like, whatever. Um, you just only have so much control. So yes, totally, totally. Um, geez. Well, I think we've about done it here. Cool. I think I like had some other questions, but I forgot them. So that's okay. Um, okay. I mean, is there anything else that you wanted to say 
about creativity, about like the responsibility of the public to be creative, about the responsibility of art to do anything. Like, I mean, do you have anything else you'd like to say? I don't know. Put your kids in art classes. Yeah. (laughs) Put yourself in art classes. Put yourself in art classes. Put yourself in like... Yeah. And honestly, it's never... Put yourself in Google. It's like... At the least. (laughs) Use this thing called Google. We have this great thing called the internet. Yeah. I mean, it's never too late. I feel like people... I mean, to, to go back to what we talked about right at the beginning, I think, you know, people just like dig their heels in and like, this is it, you know, I'm this age and this is who I'm going to be for the rest of my life. And I think like, just be open and you can change at any point in time, Yeah. you know, like, could you leave a profession at 40 and totally change your life path? Yep. Yeah. You can. No one's, t- the only people telling you can't are you and probably most of society, but like, yeah. Fuck them, you know? (laughs) Yes. And also like, yeah, it's your life. Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I actually, I remembered I, there was one other thing I wanted to ask you, which may or may not have an interesting answer, but I'm curious. Um, I, I liked how you were talking about these two friends that you met when you just started college. Um, the one friend that had like a poetic way about her Mm -hmm. and the other friend that was I think you maybe said she was kind of fierce in some way or yeah. something. Maybe you used fierce for your brother. Can't remember. But it, it applies seeing, to both. These, seeing these <laughs> people who just kind of, I don't know, feel kind of like one with their identity. Um, and maybe I'm like, you know, making some assumptions. But do you feel at this point that like currently you you are one of those people too? Yeah, I'd like to think so. What does that like mean to you? Um. I mean, I think it feels, feels good, uh, mm. because I think, you know, it sounds like while we had very different experiences growing up and on, on a spectrum, of course, I think you probably can relate to like when you, when you feel like you have to be a specific person and then you recognize all the ways in which you don't fit within that mold yeah. and then you evolve and evolve and become somebody else. Like at this point, like I, I feel good about who I am. I feel good about who I could become and I'm happy and I'm not ashamed of like where I came from or who I was. And, you know, I, I don't agree with a lot of the beliefs that I had at one point in my life, but I think that's okay. And I think that's, you know, I feel good about that. Um, cool. So yeah, that's great. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I always ask everybody at the end on this particular day, what's your dream collaboration or just like any one you'd like to work with or it could also be a collaboration like with a space you know if you like to work alone like is there anywhere you'd like to work or just um yeah what's a dream collaboration and it's a loose word hmm I don't know I think I mean I think like with any artist it would be incredible to have a show at a major institution, um, where I had an opportunity to have other humans besides myself figure out like, you know, specific ways that I could light it and install work and show video and have, have some like really much more, uh, interactive is not really the word, but something much more immersive, um, in addition to images, um, that would feel, you know, supported, uh, Cause I think things like that are really hard to do on a small, smaller yeah. scale and definitely in DIY type spaces, especially when you're doing stuff yourself. Yeah. Um, I can't even imagine like some, some of the, some of the work just, um, logistically yeah. just seems like, 
that yeah, seems a, very overwhelming. Yeah, it's a nightmare. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think, you know, stuff like that would be something like that would be cool. Um, and I think, you know, if in five years I had sh- a work, not even a, sh- a solo show or something, work in a major institution, um, yeah, I would feel good about that. That's awesome. Um, Any like particular space that you um not really feeling about i mean you know it's like would it be cool to have work in like the moma or something yes of course but like i think i would much rather be in i think it would be cooler to be in a more like radical space um a more a less uh problematic (laughs) space which is like that's the issue with a lot of these major institutions and museums is like they're cool and they have this huge reputation and of course they are like making they make your career in a lot of ways hard to you know but then they also have board members that are like absolutely horrible capitalist pigs you know so it's like i i wouldn't say no but like i it's not like that i think no longer is the dream because that dream represents something that i have become sort of conflicted with Uh, yeah i i i struggle with these kinds of things as well like what are my values as an artist? Um, I want for my art to reach people who want it. Yeah. And the means to that end is sometimes like requires a compromise that I just can't wrap my mind around. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's tricky stuff. Yeah. Um, okay. And then last, just tell everybody where to find you. Your website. Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> My website is uh, Jacqueline, J-A-C-L-Y-N-R, right, W-R-I-G-H-T dot com. Cool. Thanks for having stuff me. there. Yeah, it's my absolute There's pleasure. stuff there and yeah. it's going to be updated soon. I've actually been working on it. Great. Last I, few days. I need to work on mine today and tomorrow. Well, it's such a nightmare. <laughs> it really is. Jacqueline, thank you so much. It was great to Thanks meet you. Thanks for having you. me. Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our theme song is As You Are from My Album Masks with artwork and merch designs by Sarah Keel. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, you can reach me through my website, emilymerrellmusic.com. That's E-M-I-L-Y-M-E-R-R-E-L-L music.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.